For three days only, save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in this sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. All right, we're joined today by an extraordinarily controversial guest. <laughs> by his own admission, <laughs> yeah. who ha- who's left open the idea that you might be a bad guy, <laughs> who's here only under duress, <laughs> who wasn't going to do the show until he until he got to read an Instagram comments. You're the first. You're the first and only guest we've ever had that came on um, inspired by Instagram comments. Well, I wasn't. My wife was inspired by it. She read the comments and she goes, you have to do it. Because I'm a non-controversial kind of a guy. I don't like controversy. Yeah, I can picture that because you didn't even, even have Instagram. No, I did, but I just didn't never use it. That's a good way to avoid but controversy. But I did, I did figure out how to get on it. You did? And I did follow you. Oh, awesome. I think I follow you and Joe Rogan. You don't follow Yanni? Not yet, but I will. What's your handle? What's that? Oh, like, yeah. How do, how do people find you on Instagram? I think it's Tony.Shoffler. Okay, Corinne, explain what happened on Instagram. <laughs> people are so titillated now. I don't know if we can keep leading them along without them knowing what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, people are on. They're, like, on the edge of their seat. Well, uh, what date was this? Probably. Pull that mic down, Corinne. Two, over two months ago, Steve put up a post, 45,300 pounds of elk antlers loaded up by a buyer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Listen, explain what's in the picture and then read the caption. It's an image of a ginormous shipping container on a huge truck. And the doors are open and the only thing you see kind of packed from... Left to right to from ground to ceiling is just antlers and a couple of guys unpacking. Uh, like hand packed. Hand packed sheds. Hand packed into a shipping container. Yeah. Like you wouldn't fit a mouse in that shipping container. Yeah, uh-uh. Packed to the gills. So full of elk antler. Full of full of elk antler. Up uh, uh forty five thousand three hundred pounds okay, to be yep. exact. And then now read the caption. And I put this up at yep. Stephen Rinella, if you're mm-hmm. curious. S T E V E N Rinella. Yep. 45,300 pounds of elk antlers loaded up by a buyer and headed to overseas markets. This year, shed hunters were getting around $20 a pound for the fresh brown elk antlers. 
This buyer told me that the average weight of an, of an antler he buys is five pounds, but they get up to 20 pounds a piece. So do the math. No. Did I say 20? No, but I did some, I, I, I was curious about it and I did some research oh. and I bet you the ones you're holding in that Bozeman Chronicle picture are 20 pounders. Uh, no, they weren't. What? They were probably... 19.5? No, they were probably in the 15-pound range. Really? Oh. I think the largest Jeez. the largest single shed we've ever bought off a wild elk was about 21 pounds. There you go. See, I underwent. Mm. I underwent. Out of mm-hmm. millions and millions of pounds. $400 antler? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and, then, really... and then also the price was up to... I said up to twenty dollars. Okay, so I. So but that's. But listen, man, I was consulting. I was consulting with you while crafting my caption, <laughs> but I apparently left off when I threw out the poundage thing. All right, so so you know minor uh, minor inaccuracies notwithstanding, I put that on Instagram because I I met our guest here Tony who from uh, Rocky Mountain Antler. Is that it? Just Rocky Mountain Antler? Rocky Mountain Antler Company, LLC. Okay. I met Tony Schaffler from Rocky Mountain Antler Company, LLC, up in Alaska. We had a brief meeting, a brief running into each other, in which I found out what his business was. And I said, man, you ought to come on the podcast. And uh, eventually, in our conversation about him coming on the podcast, he sent me this picture. And I thought, well, that's interesting as hell. And I put the picture up on Instagram and, and, and uh, in the comment section, holy cow. Hundreds exactly. and hundreds and hundreds. Hundred, over 400 just people, comments. Just people. How would you typify the comments? I mean, it, it, the range from people being interested, people being amazed at the number of antlers, people criticizing... Uh, the Chinese the antler market people talk, <laughs> people talking about the you know just what they're used for and how it's nuts. I mean, I I would I don't think there was over any one kind of overwhelming drawing drawing parallels between that and the commercial uh, slaughter of animals from the early twentieth century. Just a whole range of things. I don't I get thought, it. I thought the normal comment would be, damn, that's a lot of antlers. Yeah, like this one guy wrote, so you're saying <laughs> that that's just that. under a million dollars in antlers? Holy F, I'm in the wrong business. So you had plenty yeah, that's of what I, that's what I was. That's yes. what I thought. That's what Please I thought. let me explain. That, was, that shipment was nowhere near a million dollars. That was the lowest grade antler that you can buy, and it's only worth a couple of dollars a pound. Okay, we're going to get into all yeah. that. I just wanted to set the, set the scene. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. No, you're doing great. You're doing great. Um, Jamie, are you here to talk or not here to talk? No, she's here for the BS filter for me, so I don't get too carried away with my story. How long have you guys been married? 29, almost. Well, that's 29. phenomenal. Years. Oh. Yeah. I, not months. I know <laughs> quite a bit. You guys have been married 29 years. Yeah. That's fantastic. Can each of you, uh, can each of you hit us with a... Uh, um, What's the secret to 29 years of marriage? Yeah, mine is you get up in the morning and you look at your wife and you go, honey, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> because sooner or later during the day, it's going to happen. And just get it out of the way right yeah, off the bat. Just, honey, I'm sorry. 
No. <laughs> I'm Car- trying that tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little overdue on that right now. <laughs> what, uh, what What do you got? You got anything hot? You got any hot? Even though you're not here to, you're not here to talk. You know, your wife would probably say the same thing. Uh, patience and a strong backbone. Hmm. I don't know if that's what she'd say. I'll have to ask her. Well, if you're... 29 years is great, man. Yeah, but it's also, she puts up with a lot of me not being around. Mm -hmm. You're on the road a lot. You know, if you do this full time, you know, so... Yeah, the antler business came between us. But it didn't. How long have you been married, Brody? What year is it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 16? Yeah, 16. Okay. Well, you got a good shot at making it. Oh, I've made it, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, we got it. It's like that 12-year itch. If you can get past that, yeah. I think you're on the I got no worries. Slide. You get itchy at 12? <laughs> All right, we got to move along. Uh, here's something real. Okay. I'm going to go down to the thing I think is most interesting. Check this out. A guy writes in. The guy writes in, oh, Hummet. Oh, this didn't happen to him. It happened to his friend. Still. Damn it. Now you get into the whole, like, right? Exactly. There's a hearsay element. Mm-hmm. Damn it. It's like how unreliable did I not know, how narrators. I not noticed that before. I, know, it's like, I thought it happened to him. Well, you must have been really excited about this titillating story that it's you're about t- to tell it, us it, about. Listen, this story is a great it's story. Cool. Okay, so everyone bear in mind, this is something that happened to a friend of his. So, you know, who knows? Okay, Pennsylvania. Set the scene. We're in Pennsylvania. Do you want me to set the scene? No, I'm just saying that we're in Pennsylvania. Oh, my God. It's, 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 how did I not notice this? It's his friend's brother. Yeah, I'm, this is like when you go to a thing and some guy comes up and is like, look at this buck that my neighbor's cousin's brother's brother-in-law's neighbor got. That's why I'm not, I, 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 I'm not like, there's an unreliable narrator element to this. So like, I don't know. I, I, well, no, because it's still, it still is interesting. It is. Okay, so listen, I'm just going to act like it happened to me. I was just hunting in Pennsylvania and here's what happened to me. This is great. They're in a, okay, whoever the hell it was is in an antler, I believe every word of it, because it's like, who would make it up? They're in an antler restriction area in Pennsylvania. Well, the whole state's antlers. It used to be not that way, and it switched to antler restrictions, I don't know, 10 years ago, the whole state. No. Yes. When I was a kid, you could shoot spike bucks. The whole state's antler restriction. Yeah. The whole state's. uh, That's not true. uh, Listen, it is. I was just hunting there. With my musket. Yeah, and you, you it's most of the state is three points. No. <laughs> okay. Listen. Steve's wrong. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> most of the state is three points. It could be Browtine and a fork. The northwestern part of the state where I grew up has to be three up, meaning a Browtine would like it doesn't have to have a brow time, but it's got to have three up. So main beam, G1, or it would be G2, G2 G3. Steve, who are you calling? Seth. <laughs> oh, he's 
on his way to South Dakota. So I was buying this pile of antlers off this guy. Uh-huh. Which guy? Oh, <laughs> hang tight. Prior to 2002, antler restriction was two points. What had to be a spike. So that's when they went to uh, statewide antler restrictions. It's not, that's not accurate. All right. Bear with me a minute, Phil. <laughs> Why are none of these people answering their phone? If you had shot a spike with your musket, you'd been breaking the law. Hello? Rick. Yeah, hey, Steve. Hey, is the entire state of Pennsylvania an antler restriction unit? Yeah, yes. So, like, the entire state. <laughs> oh, I can't hear you. <laughs> 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 All right, hold on. Say it again. Rick, you're on the air. The, the entire state, Seth, correct me if I say it's wrong. Oh, you're with Seth. State of I'm with him. He was trying to answer, but uh, the entire state of Pennsylvania is a, for people 16 and older, is a three-point on one side restriction, but there used to be at least a certain part up near Warren County, near Erie, is where I grew on up on one side. But correct, the entire state, if you're over 16, you cannot shoot. Like it has to have three legal points on one side. Yes, Seth's also verifying agreeing with that. Okay, but why, when we were hunting, did no one mention this to me? Man, I wish this would have been I a trivia I, I question. I don't have information that we did it. I feel like we did, maybe. <laughs> you know? I could have shot a forky. And, and, and he'd be in the pokey right now. Seth, did you tell Steve that, like, about the three-point rule before he did the front lock? Yeah, Seth's saying he's... Yeah. <laughs> Tell him that they're on the podcast right now. Uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta go. You guys definitely didn't mention that shit, and you put me in, like, legal jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen. Anyway, that sets this whole thing up. Okay, but it does set this whole thing up. This guy's hunting in Pennsylvania. He's in... Uh, there is a rule that you have to... The buck has to have three points... On one side, where they're hunting, it has to have three points on one side, not counting the brow time. They call that three up in Pennsylvania. Not counting the brow time. You hear? So, since whitetails throw a brow time, like 99.99, on this is a ballpark, of whitetails throw a brow time. So he's saying to be legal, it's it's by a by a eastern count needs to be uh, an eight point, right? So when you remove the brow tines, he's got three on each side. He's got to have three on one side, not counting the brow tine. Now this guy shoots a buck with no brow tine, missing its brow tine, but has three tines. He gets sighted. By an officer. The officer's view on it is that since there is no brow tine, his definition is the next up antler becomes a brow tine. Like imagine you have a line of people and the first person in the line, the person in front of the line is eliminated. Then number two is all of a sudden number one. That's his claim. I took this to Heffelfinger. Heffelfinger is like a brow tine is a brow tine. The absence of a brow tine does not promote the next antler to a brow tine. Like a brow tine is a very definitional point. 
But under it doesn't the, have it. It doesn't have yeah. it. But yeah, that doesn't if, mean his body, were, his his body down the line becomes him. But under yeah, and the, if you were scoring it, it's not like if he doesn't have a brow tie, then all of a sudden the G two would become the G one. That wouldn't happen, right? Yeah. But under the law, it doesn't matter if it's got three points up. It's a legal buck. Let me allow me to allow me to half a finger dissect the law. Okay. Assuming this is all described accurately, see, see that that's classic Heffelfinger. Like he already knows, right? <laughs> he already knows the layout. Assuming it's described accurately, that sounds like a mess. So to quote, I'm reading something. Assuming this is all described accurately, that sounds like a mess. But I'm not sure this email is describing it correctly, or the LEO is wrong. Law enforcement officer. Okay. The law linked below says that it has to be three points on a side, not including the brow tine in a few units, and just three or more points anywhere on the antler in the rest of the state. That's correct. Okay. The deer this person describes would be legal everywhere. So I don't understand the issue. The law below doesn't classify a G2 as a brow tine. It just helps people understand what a brow tine is by saying it's the one right above the burr. I would not read that to mean that if it doesn't have a brow tine, then you count the G2 as a brow tine. It just means that you can't count the brow tine as one of your three points in those few counties where it is more restricted. That's correct. If an officer is counting this deer's G2 as the brow tine and then saying the deer is illegal because it only has two more, then that is clearly a misinterpretation of the law, in my opinion, as an Arizona guy with no law enforcement experience. There are a few scientific papers out there that define terms for the tines of all servants that I would trot out in a court case to show that is an incorrect interpretation. A G2 is never a brow tine. If the brow tine is missing, then the deer just doesn't have a brow tine. And the G2 is still the G2. I, I So they need to go get that guy out of jail. I, I have a hard... <laughs> I'm not saying this guy's a liar. I have a hard time believing that a Pennsylvania game warden would not have an, a good understanding of this law. It's been around for a while. Like... I have a hard time buying it. That is like, because it would be happening all the time. Like every six pointer that got shot that didn't have a brow tine would be at like. But they all got brow tines. Not, not those little basket rat sixes. A lot of them don't. I got a hard Another time. Another guy wrote in. Yeah. Another guy wrote in. And it was a guy. His name is Joe. Tony, if you have anything to weigh in on any of these, please. Do. Thank you. Okay. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of talk about antlers, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and, well, yeah. I think that that's why, you know, that's, I think that, you know, old, sh- old Corinne over there, I think that's why she probably threw that in there. I should have probably uh, brushed up on my Pennsylvania game laws. <laughs> Here's this one. There's nothing to do with antlers. Guy wrote in, and he's got, he's got an interesting, he's got an interesting point. Your coverage of lead pollution issues, so our coverage of the lead, the lead debate, which that's how I'd describe the coverage, um, has been great, he says. But I wish you would also mention a less serious but still annoying ammo pollution issue, plastic shotgun wads. I am a San Francisco-based hunter. 
He, he there's a parenthetical he puts in says yes we exist <laughs> <laughs> and fishermen I love up this is him I love upland and waterfowl shotgun hunting as well as surf fishing the ocean many times while fishing the beach I have come across plastic shotgun wads including some marked six which is mostly used for upland hunting in California. It disturbs me that shotgun hunting involves littering plastic in the form of a wad with every shot. Nobody is seriously expecting to retrieve their wads. On principle, we should oppose this littering, especially given all of the new research on microplastics. Additionally, the concern about giving hunters a bad name is especially salient here in California. Surf fishermen have allied with groups like the Surf Rider Foundation to fight important battles for public access to beaches. Surfrider is also, in my opinion rightly, concerned about plastic pollution at beaches and successfully pushed through a plastic straw ban as a result. I'd believe hunters would be well served by understanding the WAD problem and proactively working with potential partners to try to solve it rather than risking becoming their next target. Shotguns worked well with cardboard wads before plastic was even invented, and modern biodegradable materials offer even more options. There's no reason today why shotgun hunters need to litter, to litter every time they pull the trigger. Great point. Huh. It is, but ammo makers got to decide whether they can afford to do that. Well, right? paper wads, I mean, wads do a lot more now. L yeah. Wads do a lot more now than what they, like originally a wad was just a barrier between the shot and a barrier between the powder and the shot. The wadding in a, in a musket would be, it would help form a grip in the rifling, right? Um, with shotgun, if you, if, if you didn't have wadding there, I think that you would, every time you tip the gun, your powder would go filter into the, um, your powder would filter into the shot and also nothing would really carry the shot out. But now wadding like grips the shot Controls the pattern. Carries, like, actually carries it a little ways before the fins, as the fins open up, it slows down, but, like, like contains the shot. But I don't know, I, I, if someone told me that in 10 years someone was going to be making some of that shit out of cornstarch that, like, uh, that you throw in your composter and it rains a couple times and vanishes, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, obviously, it's a litter problem, but... A bigger litter problem might be the jerks that don't pick up their shells off the ground. Yeah, but that's easy. Yeah, well, that's avoidable. Yeah. And this is hard. Like, you can't yeah. find them. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's a good point. It's an interesting point to think about. I do now and then look and be like, damn, a lot of wads laying around everywhere. Do you, you ever get your hands on any uh, cardboard shells back when they, you know, the old shotgun shells? I remember those. Yeah. yeah. Coated in wax. Back. Yeah. I was reading about the guy that killed. Uh, I was reading about the guy that killed the guy that killed Jesse James. He took, he took a bunch of pipe, and cut the pipe in. I think this is true. I read it. Might not be true. He took a bunch of pipe and cut the pipe in little short chunks, and then took a chisel and knocked those chunks into little like. Picture that you took had a wedding ring, okay, and then you. Took a, and laid that wedding ring flat on the ground and took a chisel and started busting it to pieces straight down. Anyways, filled a big double barrel coach gun full of that. That'll do the trick. Fwah! Cut them in half, pretty much. I don't know if that's true. 
Did mountain men bait? Here's a question that came in. <laughs> from Long Island. A lot of emails from low representation. Um, emails from very low representation states. Hunter, Hunter representation. Mm. Did you know the answer? Or did you have to uh, look look into this a little bit? I know the answer. You did. I'm interested. I'm not interested in the question. I'm, inter- I'm not interested in the particulars. I'm just. I'm not interested in the actual answer. I'm just interested in the mentality of the question. Oh, I'm interested in the answer. Did Mountain Man bait? Hey, media to crew. My name's Paul, and I'm from Long Island. I'm a longtime fan, and I had an interesting question for the Meat Eater Gang to discuss on the podcast. I was reading a comment section on baiting for wild game, deer, bear, etc., and I was wondering what the Meat Eater crew knows about how the mountain men hunted and trapped and whether or not it ever involved baiting on a large scale. This came to mind because a lot of hunters question the integrity, legitimacy of harvests that are a result of baiting. However, praise the methods or ways used by mountain men of decades, centuries ago. I think this is an interesting and potentially divisive subject. Okay, let me set the great question. First off, I'm going to establish, uh, I want to establish, when people say a mountain man, what are they saying? Um, You okay? A mountain man means a very specific thing. You could watch a show called The Mountain Men, and that's like not mountain men. That's uh, that's like a uh, like a, a contemporary thing called mountain men. But when we talk about mountain men historically, we're talking about like a very specific thing from a very specific time frame. Uh, these were the most probably the most well traveled uh, individuals of their time, probably the least xenophobic individuals of their time. Um, and the greatest risk takers of their time. If you wanted to do something like today, like the mountain men did then, you would go like during the Afghanistan war, you would have gone to the uh, mountain ranges that separate Afghanistan and Pakistan and gone in that atmosphere and try to go become a professional hunter in those mountains at that time. Uh, the mountain man era began the minute the Lewis and Clark expedition ended. So it sort of begins with John Coulter's return out to the West trapping beaver. And it ends about 1832 when the beaver market collapsed. So when we're talking about a mountain man. We're talking about like professional beaver trappers who operated in the intermountain West between about, I mean, really like it heated up like 1810, um, to 1832. Did they bait? Yep. Uh, the only, the, 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 the way they trapped, they didn't use conner bears. They only used footholds. And, and, and it seems like they almost exclusively used caster sets, caster mound sets using foothold traps. So every, all the beaver that all the mountain men caught were probably caught with bait. Lure, not bait. And I'm sure they were savvy enough to put some fresh peeled willow or aspen to supplement their sets in the fall season but they were using lure uh for hunting big game no i can't picture it they didn't do like side hustles with other kind of fur not during that period no not during that period now when the beaver market collapsed those guys many of those guys then got into very serious baiting like a lot of them became wolfers 
Like the wolfers followed the beaver market. Well, the wolfers kind of came, like the real serious wolfers came. The beaver market collapsed in 32. Then you had the hide hunting era, the buffalo hide hunting area that kind of came on its heels. What came on the heels of that was the wolfer market. And they baited where they would kill an animal, kill a buffalo, whatever, gash it all over, pour strychnine on it, wait a couple days, come back to your strychnine carcass, and pick up poisoned wolves. So that was bait. They would take uh, another way that guys would, for doing grizzlies, either for uh, bounty money later on or otherwise, you'd take a mule out to a good spot, shoot the mule, hunt the mule, and shoot shit the can to the mule. So yeah, big time baiting. Um, a lot of the guys that were commercial bear guys trapped, and they'd bait. You know, they're they're baiting with traps. I don't know that I would. I don't know that that's where I would look to find. Um, if I was going to defend baiting today, I don't know that that's where I would look. Any thoughts? Here's a good one. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just there's just not enough to uh, to compare. I don't think. Yeah, like, it's just not the type of hunting that we do. Yeah. today, like commercial market hunting. Yeah, this is a good one. Then I think we're gonna be done. This is the last one that we're gonna get into the antler market. Corinne? Mm-hmm. this guy writes in from Nova Scotia. I live in Mahone Bay, Nova Scotia. Now this is this is a real. This is a, you thought the antler thing in Pennsylvania was interesting, Phil. Wait, do you hear this? <laughs> I really hope it involves you be, being embarrassed live on the air. <laughs> I live in Mahone Bay, Nova Scotia. You following? You tracking, Phil? Got it. I bought a six to seven acre. It's weird he doesn't know how big his parcel is. He bought a six to seven acre piece of land in 2015. Hmm. Moving back to my hometown of London, England. What's that mean? From From London, England. Oh, from. Oh, okay. So he was living in London. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Feller from London. This is someone this is like really far out for us. I thought I thought Long Island was like. So here's a guy from London. Of all places. Big hunting town. Moves to, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about low representation. <laughs> moves to Nova Scotia. Buys six to seven acres, piece of land in 2015. The appeal of the land, he goes down to say, it was a dock on the ocean. Sidewalk into town. House to raise kids. And land to hunt whitetails out back. There's only about a one-acre piece at the back where I can discharge a crossbow. Okay? Buys a land. He's got a legal place. He can discharge his crossbow on an acre of land. Now, they're coming to do eminent domain across his property. In order, here's where the rub is. In order to put in a power corridor to serve a new solar plant. So he's in the admittedly awkward position of being a NIMBY 
about alternative energy. <laughs> like it's better if it's like a real villain, right? Like, but it have to be a solar energy, like a thing that everyone's supposed to support because it's green energy. And now he's got to be a NIMBY. I'd like to know why he can only discharge on an acre. Like, is the rest like within town limits or something? Or you know, you know, have you gone to his website, SolarSham.ca? I have not. <laughs> Did you go, Corinne? <laughs> no, not yet. Why, why, why are you not? Re- why I think you'd research the piss out of this, Corinne. You didn't call him. No, <laughs> I didn't call, you call him. him. So let me get to the let me get to the rub. So expropriation is their Canadian version of eminent domain. We have a con. He's going on to say we have a concept of injurious affection, which are personal damages and the reduction in value of the rest of my residential property. Do he's claiming? Okay, let me back up. Here's what he's claiming. They're claiming here's the land value for us running our but power he's corridor. The experience of hunting. But he's on like, his land well, no, no, you're not, va- you're not value, you're not yeah, valuing yeah. it right. Because what you've just done is destroyed my ability to like hunt deer on my place. How are we going to draw? How are we going to value that? You're not valuing that. I had a little mini chunk of hunting ground and you're destroying it. And then you're telling me its value is one thing when the value is exponentially greater because of the circumstance. My sidebar question would be. If he discharges his crossbow on his little one-acre piece and that said deer runs off that one-acre piece and dies, yeah. What then now? what? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that, this is the thing that I've been arguing about with, with, not arguing about, texting about with my buddy Doug Duren, where they have some of these public access programs, and he was pointing out to me that some of these public access pro, like pri, public access and private land programs are making deals on on like 10 acre parcels and guys are bow hunting it and the amount of conflict that arises it's like how are you anticipating that you're going to bow hunt whitetails on that size piece of ground and have it be that it's dead on the ground like you're asking yeah and then you've got all those that urban deer hunting that's yeah. happening now too yeah but i feel like back you know any anything east of the mississippi hunting whitetails on a 10 acre chunk is very normal i know 10 acres like and it's tight the right 10 it's, acres like in indiana sure there's a lot going on in 10 acres i'm not yeah. saying no, no no you're not listening to what i'm saying no I, i'm not I, talking I about am. what's going on or not going on i'm saying there is a high flight risk there's a high risk 100 okay for instance carl uh I'm not going to say his last name. Carl has a very small parcel. Mm -hmm. You know what Carl did before he ever put a tree stand up? Went and talked to his neighbors. Every single one of them said, I don't, I'm not planning on, I'm not hoping this happens. Um, but I'm laying the groundwork for the fact that I might have to come pay you a visit. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And he secured an okay under those circumstances ahead of time from everyone around him. Good neighbors. That was Duran's point. Duran's point wasn't not to do it. Duran's point was so many problems could be taken care of if people were just a little more neighborly. Mm. That was his point. Yeah, agreed. Be a good neighbor. He told me about someone that got a deer this year that was literally, <laughs> that was literally hung up in the neighbor's fence. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay, ready? Yeah. How, like, okay, 
How, how'd you get into how'd you get into antler picking? What do you what do you like to call it? Shed hunting? Antler picking? The antler market? Yeah. Shed hunting. Because you're a third, you're a second generation second shed hunter. Second generation, um, working on possibly third with Sam coming up. That's your boy. Yeah. <clears throat> well, my dad was probably the first, I'd say, large scale commercial buyer in the United States way before it was cool. Hmm. And uh, how did that come about? Like, what what years was that going on? <clears throat> Mid seventies, late seventies. Okay. He started buying antlers. Yeah. Well, he was, he was, he used to pick them up back then and he'd only pick up the big brown ones and he was selling them to, there was a, I don't know how to say this, like an Asian buyer, middleman in the States were buying antlers. How would you say that, Corinne? Um, that, that was quite fine. Okay, you, you well, like that. the reason that, that I say quiet. that is, is I can't remember if it was a, a Chinese or Korean at the time. Sure, and there are different, you know, Asian, Asian folks who believe that antlers have medicinal value. So, yeah, yeah, that was totally appropriate. So anyways, he was selling them to these buyers and he was tired of them taking advantage. They were... He, I mean, he felt he, so presumably he felt he was selling them for a lot less than their no, actual value. Yeah. And then the, there'd be two or three of them there and that one would be throwing the antlers over the truck into the bushes before they weighed them. You know, they just weren't. Scrupulous very, buyers. Yeah. Yeah. What state was this going on in? Uh, I think, I don't know where the. Buyers were, but it was in the, it was in the Montana area. Okay. And he got tired of that. So he went and convinced the local bank to bankroll him. And so he started buying and going around the middleman straight to the overseas market. And it kind of just snowballed from there. Who was, who was he, who did he go to to find a direct market for his antlers? And what were they using them for back then? They were using them for medicinal purposes, I guess. Uh, they grind them, right? No, they were slicing them in wafer thin and simmering them in a tea. And I'm sure they were probably mixing ginseng and some other herbs in there and drinking the broth. Really? Yeah. Have, have you done this, Corinne? No, never have. But there's a picture of that, the like really paper thin slices that I put into the document just for you to see. You know, there's some serious, serious. The, the, oh, I just did some screen grabs from Amazon, right? So I, I went down the rabbit hole looking at all the different forms that you can consume but that's velvet that's velvet it could be velvet and below is just is the slices okay so there's two products here that that uh Krim pulled off amazon one of uh, one of them has four ratings five star five star review four ratings elk ant elk velvet antler but i think that's from like farm raised it this yeah they're calling it it is it's from elk farm they're calling it Velvet Antler for Dogs, Glucosamine Supplement, Hip and Joint Health. Glucosamine. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not real oh, really? learned <laughs> on certain, but I'm pretty sure it's glucosamine. Jamie, I'll buy that. Jamie just said that Tony Lou knows wrong. the... It's Lou wrong. Well, no, I, I don't, I'm not seeing, I, 
obviously oh, came ill-prepared with the laptop. So, another, yeah, she'll pass over. Another product that Crin pulled up, two ratings, three-star review. Oh, that, that little bottle is, uh, that, that little bottle, how many ounces is that bottle, Crin? Oh, I can't see right now. Cause he's so they're, they're touting it, uh, I don't know, what's it, like a four-ounce bottle? Find out what the hell that, how big that bottle is. They're touting it as a joint health, anti-inflammatory, increased energy, and a healthy coat for your pet. And then there's another product that she has here that Krim pulled up from Ginseng Store and More Deer Antler Slices. Premium whole Sika Deer Antler Slices. Energy, hormones. Here's the description. This is a this is from a ESA. This is from an English as a second language individual, I believe. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Deer right. antler slices, antler velvet, whole slices, seek a deer antler, Lurong, energy, <laughs> hormones, sex, health for men and women. I got a question for uh, you. Ba- back then, are we in the middle of a question? <laughs> well, we already talked. Like, I think that's pretty self. I'm not, I want to go back to his also, dad. Oh no, no, I'm not even. Kind, yeah, go ahead. I'm not even scratching the surface um, on his old Remind man. me though, I've got a story about that for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Can't wait. Back then, that was the only market. Like, he wasn't perhaps selling big antlers to taxidermists or no, none I don't of that think stuff so. that's going on no. now. There was always a market for like. A few belt buckles and some knife handles, but no, uh, majority of it was going straight okay. overseas. For three days only, save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in this sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com. Was your was your old man? Uh, was he always looking for ways to make money outdoors? Like, was he a fur trapper or like a he mushroom trapped, hunter? He trapped. The, he originally moved to the Madison Valley to for the lion hunting. Okay. So, yeah, and he trapped. He processed wild game. Yeah, just so he just pulled it together from the yeah, outdoors. Yeah, so it was just, natural for him to be like, "Hey, there's money to be made in antlers, or I could find a way to make money yeah, in antlers and yeah, get into antlers." Yeah. yeah. When did he establish your guys' company? He went and he incorporated probably in the early eighties. Okay. And when you were when were you born? Before then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was born. Yeah. Anyways, I moved up to Montana from San Diego when I was fifteen, and that's when I got kind of. What were you doing in San Diego? Living with my mom. Oh. Yeah. So I came up here. So your mom and dad, I don't want to open old wounds Well, here. no. I mean, no. They, they they divorced when I was young. And your mom hauled you off to San Diego. Well, no. They were, my dad was down there and then he moved up. Oh, I see. And then, uh, anyways, I came up to visit and saw that you could carry guns in the truck and get away with it. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm in. Yeah. 
So, and then I got started, he was already buying and selling then, and I just kind of started helping out after school and on the weekends, and then started doing it full-time, probably... 17 years old. 85-ish is when I started actually traveling on the road buying. And back then, it wasn't like it is now. Uh, a lot of people brought their stuff in, and I just buy antlers all day long at the shop. And people just stop by all day long with piles of antlers. Uh huh. But and then I did start traveling and meeting buyers. So was it like very seasonal, like used all to be, in the spring? Used to be, used to be very seasonal. Uh, basically, it'd start in early April. And then by July, you were done with the buying. But now with the antler market being so competitive and so many people involved, now it's it's a year-round thing. So talk to, talk to me about when you got started. What was, you had a shop mm-hmm. in the Madison Valley, in Edison. Yeah, yeah. And you had a sign out that said, I buy antlers, we buy antlers, or some such. Yeah, probably, yeah. And people are bringing in what all kind of antlers? Mainly deer and elk. And okay. Moose. And how are you val? How are you valuing? B- before the antler market exploded and there became all these multiple competing things like dog chews and all this other aphrodisiacs, all this shit. Yeah, there's no aphrodisiacs involved. I'll say that. That's a myth. That's a myth. If it was an aphrodisiac, I'd be in prison because I snored enough of this dust during the course of a day to kill the average mortal. <laughs> But what are they harvesting, Yanni, in New Zealand, what are they harvesting all that velvet for? Supplements. Oh, it is. I like, think so. Well, this can ad I, right here I... says it helps sex, Hor- energy, hormones, yeah. sex. The the, the <laughs> velvet thing's like different, man. Like the, it was like all over the news a couple years ago. Like that's the set. I think the, the hormone thing is tied to the velvet. There is testosterone in there to a certain degree. But it's not a it's not a sexual enhancement that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And you'd know. Well, you would think, right? I mean, yeah, like you get done with a day of antler cutting, and yeah. But look, I did you some know. research. Honey, here and I come. <laughs> there's a there's a you know some scientific journal articles out there that are testing the antler core beyond just the the velvet as well. So I mean. From, from a, from an, a single article uh, from Science Direct, there are some conclusions that the deer antler base has emerged as a good source of traditional medicine. Oh, sorry. Let me back up. Um, key findings. Both in vitro and in vivo pharmacological studies have demonstrated that deer antler base possess immuno... Wow. Immunodulatory, anti-cancer, anti-fatigue, anti-osteoporosis, anti-inflammatory, analgesic, antibacterial, antiviral, anti-stress, antioxidant. You get the picture. There are like 12 more antis. Um, And although the mechanism of action is still not clear, the pharmacological activities could be mainly attributed to the major bioactive compounds, amino acids, polypeptides, and proteins. Uh, based on animal studies and clinical trials, deer antler base causes no severe side effects. So this is just one uh, research studies key findings. Uh, 
Do you know? Do you know um, when you're talking about the early buyers? Do you know this? You must know this because this is a quote from you. This fella Johnny Wang, mm-hmm. as being uh, an early like godfather of antler shipping. Basically, yeah, yeah. So you eventually got to go. You eventually went into competition with him. I'm assuming. Kind of. He was. I met him when I first got going, and he was going down to that antler auction, but he was buying antlers. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of faded away, and uh, my dad kind of took over that godfather role. When you guys... He was... My dad was the buyer for years, and most of the people that competed against him were actually buyers for us at that time. So he created his own competition, which is human nature, you know. Uh-huh. How would you guys? How would you guys get? How would you guys create a buyer mark a buyer network around the country? You just touch base with people, and they find you. They find me, um, and you got to establish a relationship with them and, and deem them trustworthy <clears throat> because there's a lot of money involved, mm-hmm. and you know. And yeah, do you, do we you, have been stung before. Do you bankroll your buyers? Most of them. You do? Yeah. So you got to be, you know, real careful. How many buyers do you, how many buyers work for you buying antlers? <laughs> I'd say a good, at least 10. Okay. And in, in, in what, what geographical area? Mostly the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do have some buyers out in the Midwest. I'm establishing some contacts out there. For whitetail antlers? Yeah. Mainly. What are those being used for? The same. So it goes for the same stuff? Yeah. Yeah, there's a heck of a lot more whitetail deer. And although their antlers are smaller than elk, I would think that overall there would be a, a, a generally a more mass of Whitetail antlers in this country than there are elk antlers, right? There are uh, probably pounds and pieces. Yeah, yeah. Whitetails are almost coast to coast now. I think mm-hmm. you know. When I first started hunting in Montana, back when you were in diapers, probably mm-hmm. maybe uh, you didn't see whitetails hardly at all on the river bottoms first deer I ever shot with a bow was a mule deer buck on the river. Mm-hmm. And now, you know. Yeah, they're taking know. over the world, man. Yeah. When you uh, say you got, you've been stung before, is that like you've ended up with antlers from someone that got them? No. In a, Meaning you, you send money to buyers and okay. they don't, All right. they don't give you antlers back. <laughs> yeah. Or they take Gotcha. Them I was just wondering if you ended up with. they sell them with, to your competition. Yeah. I was wondering if you ended up with antlers that that person shouldn't have had in the first place. No. Tell me what, what what's antler worth right now? Right now the market's down. It's soft. Relative to what? Relative to when, to I the, guess. To the springtime, the shed season, it usually strengthens up then. Oh, so, the, so it's on a seasonal slump right now. Yeah, right, basically. Yeah, everybody's pretty well... I guess you got to go out in three months and you got to buy your whole year's inventory in three months. Mm-hmm. And when most people get full up, then they back off. 
So are you, when you when you set out to buy antler in the spring, are you trying to fill a you're trying to fill a specific order? Or you're just trying to buy as much as no, you no. You got an idea. Yeah, basically now you're trying to buy all you can because there is a lot of competition now. There's buyers everywhere. You know, I'll go in states and literally see three different antler buyers sitting on a street in three different towns in a 30 mile radius. Uh huh. So yeah, you got to really hustle now. You see ads for it in the paper all the oh, time, yeah. like in classifieds. Uh, yeah, uh, Craigslist. Yeah. Billboards. Billboards. Have you ever done one of those billboards? No. Oh really? Mm-mm. I don't advertise very much. I run under the radar. I don't drive with trailers. Don't have big brands on it. My name and phone number. People find you. They know who you are. They'll find you. Hmm. Word of mouth. So what is antler going for? I mean, t- like, tell me, like, whitetails, mule deer, elk, moose. Like, w- like, what are we talking about? What, what could a seller right now? Right? Now. No, 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 no. Okay, whenever the hell. What? When? When's peak? Well, it depends. Let's go to March. Last March, March twenty twenty two, or April twenty twenty two. Whatever the hell month makes the most sense. Well, last year the price went down in the winter. And then late winter, early, early spring, people start running out and then they'll go out and buy and then that'll bring the price up. Because mm-hmm. what happens is rather than just going out and hustling and buying the antlers, people try to outbid you by 50 cents a pound. Mm-hmm. And all that does is bring the market up. Yep. You can go out and pay, you can go out on the street and buy antlers and pay less than the going rate and you're still going to buy antlers just by being there. But. You know, that's what happens. And when the demand, like right now, in the last couple of years, the demand exceeds the supply and that drives the price up. Okay. Two. Right now, right now, it's probably $17, $18 a pound. For any kind of antler? No, just for the, the egg, the brown, fresh elk. Okay. And what's a white-tailed deer antler? Like- uh, it's running... 12 maybe mm-hmm. right now for the for the brown stuff is each is it like elk and white-tailed deer and mule deer are all different and each one is graded a b and c and how yeah, do you classify yeah, there's basically what a b and c is three grades there's i have four grades actually you know you got the a which is the fresh quality natural brown color and then there's the b grade number two grade which is stuff that's laid out for a year um, it's got hairline cracks in it, you know, and it's faded. Mm-hmm. And then you have the C or number three grade, which is the chalk. It's been laying out for several years. And then we have what we call the number, f- I have a number four, or I call it caca grade, where it's the stuff's <laughs> just falling apart, <laughs> nasty. Mm-hmm. nasty. Yeah. That's just going to go it, to powder. Is yeah. co- is, so, but caca grade is still sellable and viable. I, I tell people it's all worth something. And I encourage anybody that's out there picking antlers, if you see an old rotten chunk, pick it up. Because if somebody goes in behind you and finds that chunk, they might go back. But if somebody goes into an area and you've picked even the little chunks up, they might not go back. Mm. Pick your area clean. Well, I mean, yeah. But it is so, but I, there's no secrets anymore. I mean, people are everywhere now. There's every year 
I say, man, there's more now than ever. And mm-hmm. the next year, there's even more now than ever. More what? Pickers or? Pickers. Or antlers. Shed, shed hunters. Hun- shed hunters, I'm going to call them. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I, I used to buy a lot of antlers off of a few people. Now I buy a few antlers off of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Basically do, what happened. Do you think, like, are the majority of shed hunters out there doing it for money or just recreation? They're doing it. It's it's basically like catch and release hunting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I used to. I was serious about it for a while in Colorado, and it it got crowded out there. Yeah. Well, we used to shed hunt. You know, in the eighties, when not a lot of people did it, and it was nice because we could shed hunt one area. What you do is you watch the elk, see where they're feeding. You get there at daylight, let them go in the timber, and you go up every other day to their feeding areas, pick up a few antlers, and the elk never left. And then when they're done shedding, then you go into the beds and pick up the rest of the antlers. Now, when one elk loses one antler, there's four guys up there running around looking for it, pushing the elk around, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's very competitive. Especially if there's a big one everyone knows about. Oh, yeah, yeah, they got them named, and... Well, and that brings up the uh, shed hunting seasons now. Right, that's, that have been put into place because of I think that, that has a lot to pressure. do with it. Yeah, uh, especially like in the migration corridors down in uh, was it southwestern Wyoming, the big mule deer that area. Um, the people are going in there and running the deer around, you know. And you stop and think in that early spring, that's when the animals are at their lowest levels mm. and they're hungry, and you know, and pushing them around is very stressful on them so Mm -hmm. but yeah i yeah like colorado i think anything west of 25 is shut down to the first of may we've had you know game ranges around here that are shut down to the first of may that's been for ever but nevada you know wyoming is west of the divide i don't know if they've gone statewide yet but for picking seasons. Yeah. 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 Are there guys right now, um, well, I got two, let me, let me ask another question first. Are, do, do elk ranch antlers follow the same market path or is that its own market? Guys that are raising elk in, in ranches. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't buy a lot of that stuff. Okay. So you buy mostly wild antlers. Yeah. That, that, that stuff, if they cut it in August, you know, before, just when they're peeling velvet, they're white and real sharp. And the, there's that blood. There's a lot of blood in there, but it just seems like the wild antlers that are out in the sun, the wind, the weather, that blood in the wild stuff stays good. The mm-hmm. stuff in the ranch, because they cut them and they throw them in sheds or barns and they get hot. Anyways, that blood spoils. And it when you cut them, it smells like... Oh, really? Rotten protein. And they're, like they're just meat. cutting them so they're not hmm. beating each other up. Yeah, when they're in a, in a, when they're in a fenced-in area, you have to do that because when the rut hits. Do you know, are there guys right now that, you know, even though it's gotten crowded, how many Thank guys you. are out there that you deal with that are, able to, uh, that are able to at least make a seasonal living picking antlers? Quite a few. Yeah. Quite a few. There's people that <laughs> literally go on vacation just to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that are hunting guides in the fall and they don't have a lot to do in the spring. That's all they do is 
pick. There's a few pickers out there, or shed hunters, I should say, excuse me, that find a lot of antlers. A lot. But they don't have anything else going on. Um, I tell people if you're going to start shed hunting, don't do it. Don't depend on the money. You're going to be greatly disappointed. Mm -hmm. You know, there were some comments in that picture. You know, I've never, that's why I can't find an antler. Well, no, that's not true. The reason you can't find the antler is you got to go where they are in the wintertime. You can't just go walking around in the hills and expect to find an antler. It doesn't work. You know, you got to go to their winter grounds, you know, or where they live yeah. in that time of the year to find the antlers. You can't just go wandering around. Yeah. So. What are the, uh, talk about how the dog chew market came in, like when it came in and how it changed the business. I mean, I, I was blown away. Um, I'm sure it was going on long before I was aware of it, but I was blown away when I started hearing from people that are paying seven bucks, 10 bucks for a six inch chunk of antler. It's like yeah. a dinky little half piece. Well, right what happened out. was way back when, like I said, we'll go back to the beginning. It was mainly export. And okay. then there for a while that went kaput, that flattened out. They stopped importing antlers overseas. Because of why something got a different yeah, market? No, just uh, something happened. There was a, something went wrong over there and it, a lot of it has to do with the strength of the dollar against the yen or yuan or whatever. Yep. And anyways, so then that, there was always export, but that was just it. And then, then there was the chandelier furniture market. Oh, that, hit that predated the, the chew toy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was in the 90s. There was a butcher a baker and a chandelier maker in every town. <laughs> now there's a butcher, a baker, and a dog chew maker in every town. Okay, so, so, then, let, let, so then, before we do dog chew, let's do the let's do the chandelier market. Okay, that would have only affected premium grade shit, though. Yeah, basically. So then, then the stuff that wouldn't work for that, then you just send it overseas. So you were buying at that period. You were buying with an eye toward chandelier market. During that time, yeah. The four-point mule deer sheds, the nice big brown ones, those brought the big money. What was that? What was big money? My God, it was up to 18 bucks a pound, I think. Wow. And then there for so a while. So even for the chandelier market, you were still buying them by the pound and not by oh, the piece. Yeah, by the pound. And there was. And how many of those might go into a big chandelier back in those days? Oh, there's, we had some that were three tiers. There'd be 60 antlers. In them, see, man, I, I, took, I thought about mm. getting it. Not, I didn't want to get into the supply business, but I looked at. I had a nice pile of antlers for quite a while, and I kept thinking about how I was going to run wire through all that shit and make some crazy <laughs> thing out of it. You know, I never got around to it. Though, you know man. how many people were going to do that, and then they sell you antlers with screwed up drill holes and sure. broken off screws. And I even went so far them. as to talking to buddies of mine who were showing me how to go about it, and. Little kits and stuff. How you, and, how you get that drill to drill around the corners? Dire and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, directional yeah, drilling. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really took off. Is that market dead now? No, that's still there. The chandelier. But now you look at them. Sometimes you'd be sitting there in some New West foal lodge, and you'd be like, every one of them antlers is exactly the same. Yeah, fakies. Because they make yep. a fakie yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. 
We back in the day, when was that? In mid nineties, we were we had a Cabela's. We were selling. I we made that. this small chandelier that was on a metal fixture, and it was small. And we were selling them through Cabela's, and we were selling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. How many antlers were on those? Eight. Okay. So eight mule deer antlers. We called it the boulder. Yeah, white-tailed. There was white-tailed <laughs> and mule deer. Anyways. What do you mean, what, was, Jamie, why'd you call it the boulder? It was just the it was brand. A, it was the name. The name that oh. you gave it. We had a Red Lodge. We had a Madison. Oh, you know, I you gotcha. just come up with the gotcha. quirky names. But, but so you yeah, were making stone. them. You were in the business. Personally, I wasn't. I don't have the self-discipline to build one. Okay, but you were using your antler and having yeah, it built. Yeah, we had, we had people working for us that were making them full-time. Got it. And anyways, so then Cabela's bought this fake antler company where they were casting fake antlers, and then they started doing their own. But uh, That to me, stop, like, that, that, to, that, that. That just feels like, I mean, how could you get into that? Who'd want a fake antler chandelier? A lot right. of people wouldn't know the difference. Numbers. A lot of people wouldn't know the difference between a real one and a fake one. And then the cost is a third. That's the thing that blows my mind, too, is how could it be cheaper to make a fake antler when chandelier? You pour than... some plastic into a mold. And... Well, I know. Yeah, with yeah, well, the other shit just laying around out in the woods, dude. <laughs> yeah. Finite quality, though. Supply yeah. and demand. Okay, I got to interrupt our timeline for a minute because I'm going to forget to ask you this. Do you buy it on, will you buy deadheads just to get the antlers off the skull? Or do you say to the guy, cut them off, then I'll buy it? No, a lot of times I'll buy them. I, we've got the big commercial saws and it makes pretty quick work of it. So just same thing, you cut the skull off and weigh it? Yeah. Okay. Weigh the antlers, yeah. So there's no there's no prohibition against selling a deadhead? No, no. For you just, to buy just, a deadhead? As long as it's legal yeah, in yeah. the state that you're in. In Wyoming, you have to get them tagged. Got it. In the fishing game. And, and um, I think New Mexico, that's taboo without a tag. You know uh, what I like about the system in New Mexico is when you find something out in the woods like that, like a deadhead. Um, we found a Ibex deadhead and the game warden comes out and he, val and he puts a value on it. And hmm. you buy it from the state. So we found a Ibex deadhead, and it wasn't in great condition. Like I, it could get more, but it was just like a young deadhead. And he came out, and I can't remember what he told us. He said, "I don't know, ten bucks." You know, <laughs> so he spent ten bucks in gas to come and tell you ten dollars. Well, no, because then what's, what's yeah. funny about yeah. it? What's oh, funny about true. it is he was real curious about our hunting license and all that too. He get he got a twofer. Mm -hmm. He um, we well, called that we had a deadhead. He came out. Gave us, told us 10 bucks. It was me and Kevin Murphy. I think we each paid five. Um, <laughs> while I'm here. Split it you know? and then And then basically while I'm here, and he got down to brass tacks and our legality and stuff. Oh <laughs> so the chandelier market. Okay. Um, you got into that. The my, Your antler company. Yeah, my dad's antler company, yeah. Got it. And uh, what were the years that that was hot? Mid to late 90s. Yeah. Maybe into the early 2000s. Okay. Then it kind of petered off. Fell out of fashion. Well, yeah, but it, it was still going. It just wasn't as strong as it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
saw a lot of that where Giannis and I were at that time, the ski towns. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah. that's a weird thing about ski people in ski towns. That was when the lodge decor was big. But why are they always into that? Like, why don't they decorate it like they're skiing? If you go to, I had to well, go. They to, do, but I had to go to Big Sky one night. That's mixed up right in there. In the, I had to go to Big Sky one night, and at the hotel, you know what they dress up like at the hotel? Like cattle ranchers. So <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you guys dressed like cattle ranchers? They wear dusters. It's like why are you dressed like ski people? Like you're like the uh, this is not this is like the opposite of cattle ranching. Let's get back to this. Animals. Is the end of it's like why in the world are you dressed like cattle ranchers? Do you really want it's an explanation? Yes, yes, yes. You don't understand. And why would a ski place have elk antlers when it's the antithesis of elk? Do you know what I mean? They don't think all that through. Oh. Anyways, chandelier yeah, market. <laughs> the chandelier market. Right. So then, how, like, tell me how the chew to like how like where'd the chew toy thing come from? Hmm. You know, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people said, "Oh, I was the first to do it before anybody else." But but you were the first. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, a lot of times in the antler business, the first liar don't stand a chance. You know, but. Um, when it comes to my piles and how much I buy and, you know, it's always a one-upmanship, but there was a guy down in Texas, I think, uh-huh. Mike, who started it. A I Texan think. named Mike? Yeah. And what did he do? Um, basically, I guess he saw one of his friend's dogs chewing on an antler and then the light went off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean ranch dogs. My dog gets in trouble for that. For I heart. can't. I can't verify he was the actual first, but if he wasn't, it was a close tie. And what? In around what year was that? That someone had the light bulb I go have off? No idea. I think the dog chew business has been going on pretty strong for 15. yeah, fifteen ish years. Okay. There's a, in that New Yorker article uh, it said. 2004. I mean, at some point, like the the pet health food market latched onto antlers, and that's well, I, that's got to have an there effect on it. There was a big scare that came from China where there was a bunch of dog food and dog treats that had like cardboard in it, and there was a big deal, and people started. I think they started going organic and stuff, like all natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that People kind of put... spend a lot of money on their dogs, yeah. more so than their kids. I was telling Corinne, <laughs> no, it's a better return on your investment. With a dog, you get unconditional love. What do you get with a kid? You know. Well, dog, I keep telling my kids, that dog you got, I tell them, I was telling them this yesterday, the dog you got is only good for another 10 years. It's going to be dead. But I'll be around a lot longer than that. <laughs> Doesn't matter, does it? No, they think they still like that dog better. <laughs> You're right. So how do you buy for the dog? How, like when you're when you're looking at a pile of antlers in your head, are you like that looks perfect for the dog chew business? It's all pretty much perfect for the dog chew business. Even the chalky ones. I don't sell chalky ones. I know people that do, but I don't sell the chalky ones. But you just told me you tell your guys to pick up everything. Yeah, there's there's a market for all of it. Okay, so, but you said you don't sell chalky ones. For dog chews. Oh, I see. Two and two together equals yep. Yep. slow boat 
overseas. Got it. Well, I know I don't get it. What's that mean? Containers. Okay. Overseas to Asian markets export. Got it. So, so they get separated out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You grade them. Got it. Grade them out. Yeah. So, who comes to you to buy? You're not bagging up and going around and banging on the door to sell dog shoes. Who who do you who you who's your who's your end like who you who orders dog chew bones from you? Most of them are the distributors that distribute to the pet chains. Okay, and I sell mostly bulk. They take and brand it, they package it, and then they send it off to the pet stores. And you buy it and cut it, right? Where are you doing all that? In Ennis. Okay. And what volume of stuff are you cutting up for dogs? Volume as total pounds? Like, yeah, like how many pounds are going out there in the world? How many pounds of antlers are going out there in the world? From just me? From, yeah, what, or however you put, Yeah, however you put your grip around the size of the dog chew industry. It's hard to say because, like I said, if you ask a lot of the buyers how much they buy and how much they sell – they're not going to give you an accurate answer. You don't say. <laughs> Wait, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't tell you even if I knew. I, I really don't know my exact poundage. It's always coming and going. You know, you buy uh -huh. a trailer load, you sell half a trailer load. It's always coming and going. So what's walk me through why not... Um, Walk me through the reasons to not share that because it'd be like you're because you don't want to um, you don't want to expose the magnitude and impact of the industry because you don't want to inform competitors. Yeah, I just want to protect my little slice of the pie. And you feel that by giving me concrete numbers every time I ask how much of this or how much of that would impact your slice of the pie? Possibly. Because people know where I go. Uh huh. And that's why I fly under the radar. There's other buyers. You arrive in the middle of the night. I stopped, <laughs> and this is no kidding. I stopped in this unnamed town <laughs> and stayed the night. And I got a phone call from a friend of mine in another state and says, So and so just called me. What are you doing in this town? What town was it? It was over there, <laughs> it was in Grants, New Mexico. Oh, okay. But this other buyer, oh, thank you for the specificity. this other buyer had people watching out for my vehicle, and he knew I was there, and I just stayed the night and left the next morning. So you see what I'm saying? So it's just I like to I just like to be kind of secretive. I like to sneak around and get in and get my stuff and get out. And if people find that you're buying a lot of antlers in an area, they might come in and try to help you. Take some of those from you. I got you now. So what's the hottest buying? What what do you feel is the hottest town? <laughs> like the least exploited hottest buying town in America? Bozeman, Montana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it, it'd be hard to. It's hard to say. Earlier, what, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brody. What's the hottest state? Like, what do you, where do you uh, get the most state. from? Like, Colorado's Colorado. got the most elk. Yeah. They do. Colorado's a really good state. Colorado treats me well. That's a good antler buying state. It is. After the 1st of May, of course. You, you know earlier how we talked about the mountain men? 
Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the feller named John Coulter? Are you familiar with the fact that um, many people think he was the first uh, white man to see Yellowstone National Park? I'm not familiar with that. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, so then you probably aren't aware of the fact that for a long time they referred to, of, to Yellowstone as Coulter's Hell. And people didn't believe him. No. What he saw there. Hmm. You know what he was doing when he, when he went there? Hunting sheds. Nope. Oh. He was. This is very early in the beaver trade. Coulter was going around trying to make contact with tribes to see if he couldn't get them interested in the beaver market, in the ah. beaver trade. Uh, was there a period in antler buying when you had to do something similar? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Like, oh, like going into an area and trying to establish. Pickers. Pickers. Shed hunters. Shed hunters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you go in and what I do, if I go into a new area, is you, you take a sign and sit on a street corner, empty lot, they'll sign out there and people will stop, ask you a question, sell you a few antlers and you just end up. What I like to do is, uh, if you don't end up getting a buyer there, I uh, it takes a year or two to figure out who the players are in the area as far as shed hunters, and mm-hmm. then you just concentrate on taking care of them. Do I, you, I can't afford to sit all day on a street corner usually. You got to keep moving. Well, you got to when you're traveling, you got to buy X amount of day just to cover your overhead. You know, what's a big haul of antlers? For an individual. You can tell me this because it's not you. A shed hunter? Yeah, a shed hunter. What would be, if I, let's say I call you in the middle of the an, night. An annual haul, you're asking. Yep, I call you in the annual middle of the night. Haul. And I say, uh, I'm not a buyer. I'm just a shed hunter. Mm-hmm. And I have blank pounds. Mm-hmm. What would be the number that you'd say uh, that would perk your ears up? Nowadays? Sure. 500 pounds. So if he says, I got 500 pounds, wow. I picked myself, your ears perk up. Yeah, nowadays. But okay, back, well, how, tell me about 30 in, years ago. Oh, there, there's guys that find 2,000 pounds. Okay. Um, Truckloads used to be average 300 pounds. A pickup load. When they say, I got a pickup load, it used to be 300 pounds. Now it's 75. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? No, no, swear. Because yeah. they're all dealing with so much competition. Because there's so many people doing it. Okay, I so, used to go into towns. I wouldn't even have to put up a sign. They'd see my rig there, and if I had a few antlers, we used to I used to have a a flatbed car hauler, and we put wire racks up so high, and you just throw a hundred pounds in there, and I'd pull into a gas station, and people just start. You sit there for thirty minutes, people just start showing up, and you could buy two thousand pounds as fast as you could. You could buy two thousand pounds in a few hours from people just. Like Nowadays, Johnny. you can sit there all day and you might not buy 200 pounds mm-hmm. because there was a buyer in that town the day before you, and there was another buyer two days before you, you know. But literally, you mean like someone seeing your sign at a gas station calling, you know, Johnny calls Bill, hey, it looks like this guy's a buyer, so everybody's yeah. just calling everybody who's accumulated yeah. Sheds and just shows yeah, up. Yeah, they just show up. It's yeah, like old-fashioned marketing. You'd have 10, 12 people in line to sell your sheds. And it just, you know, and it's not like that anymore.
Do, are you familiar with role playing? We're gonna, you and me are going to role that, play. That's the secret to 29 years, <laughs> yeah. bud. We're gonna, we're I'll, gonna, I'll be a guy named Bert. Okay, we're role playing. You're you. You're you. You're in your hotel down Steve, in New Mexico. you're Bert. <laughs> you're you. You're in your hotel down in New Mexico. You're sitting there in your underwear in your hotel room. And I call. <laughs> okay. And I say, hey, I have 500 pounds of, um, I picked it myself, I have 500 pounds of this year's brown elk antler. Okay. Bunch of five point, six point bulls, like good stuff. Okay. Um, I say, uh, what are you paying? That's got to be how it goes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and you say what? Well, whatever the price is at the time. It okay, well, throw me one out. Okay. If I if you were a picker, I'd say $17 a pound. Okay. okay. Uh, then I go, well, Bert said mm-hmm. that he'd give me 18 Mm-hmm. We're role playing. Sure. That's what you tell him. So you got to answer, Tony. If he says, Bert well, said 18. Yeah, we're role playing. What's your so, okay, so I'm, sell I'm, him to Bert because <laughs> I, know, I know Bert's lying because I, when I go into an area, I know what the school So the, it's, like, uh-huh. it's like a set price that everyone's playing like the same. Yeah, they don't, they don't do it that way. No. A lot of guys will quote, let's say, this is an example, and these numbers aren't set in concrete. The guy will come into a town, I'll pay $18 a pound for brown elk. Okay. And you get there. Oh, wait, but they got to be five points without broken points, and they got to be a certain size and a certain shape. And then the rest of it's $15 a pound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you net $15.10 a pound. But to these guys, they got $18 a pound. But I don't grade like that. And if it's chewed on, it's worth, even if it's brown, it'd be worth B grade price. And, you know, everybody's got their smoke and mirrors. And I don't buy like that. I got it's a question for grade. you. Broken, you, chewed, it's all the same. Brown is brown. I got a question for you might not answer. But so uh, less is so, less is sometimes more. Got it. If, if the, if you're buy if you're giving me 15 bucks a pound, <laughs> you're making money somehow. Hopefully, this, this is where he's gonna. This is where you're gonna find that he's gonna be totally transparent. Is it and just lay out the whole market for you? Is it is it hot in here? Is it just like, <laughs> uh, like, are you are you getting sixteen a pound or are you getting thirty a pound? Why don't we talk in percentages? You may margins. Feel more yeah, yeah, margins. Um, no, I'm not making thirty dollars a pound. It's somewhere in between. Okay, you tell me. Let's play. Okay. Let's play. What's that game? High, low, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're getting warmer. No, um, you try. I mean, you try to. When it's all said and done, if you could make twenty percent. Okay, that's fair. Because mm-hmm. you got you got well, overhead see, into oh, it. Overhead, I could I could buy a very nice. I could make a very nice mortgage payment on a very nice house. Just with my fuel bills every month. Mm-hmm. I got one for you. We don't need to role play it, but uh, <laughs> thank you. You go into a town, okay? All right. No, let me say this first. Like you, you're one of the um, you're one of the biggest elk antler buyers in the West. Not the biggest, no. But one I'm, of. I'm up there. I, I well, okay. Let's put it this way. I'm in the top so many, ten. Let's say. Okay. I've 
downsized my business quite a bit. Oh, okay. We'll get to that. I want to know why. But let me... I can answer it in one word. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, two. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Too much work. Okay. That's fine. But anyways. Uh, you, you go into a town. <clears throat> you go down to New Mexico to buy antler. And you what? get okay. Time out. Why New Mexico? Why? Because you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned New Mexico earlier. Okay. What state do you want to do? Well, Colorado. Okay. You go to Colorado. Colorado treats me really well. Eagle, you go to Col Eagle, Colorado. You go to Colorado to buy antler. Been there. And <clears throat> someone's like, "Oh shit!" Some guy was just in town buying antler. Mm -hmm. Are you probably going to wind up seeing that pile of antler as a buyer? Possibly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I so here's where I feel that the price here's where I feel like the prices is that you're deceiving me and the price isn't fixed. <laughs> Word goes around that it's eighteen bucks a pound. Some guy goes down with a sign in a van and sits there all day on the corner and buys a bunch of antler for eighteen a pound. <clears throat> when he comes to you now, he's got it. Are you are you really not gonna like up it a little bit to get that big pile of antler? Possibly, but the word the number eighteen is just a fictitious number. I okay. mean, it could be usually usually the the street level buyers will call them that sit there all day. They usually pay less than I see a, a, a kingpin. <laughs> well, I'm not a kingpin. No, I thought you were doing, it sounded like drug vernacular, yeah, street, yeah, street right. level buyers. But you know what I'm saying is, that, yeah. you know, there's tonnage buyers. There's different levels of buyers. Yeah, I see. And yep. uh, there's upper tier and lower tier. I'm probably mid-upper. I'm I'm not going to claim I'm the biggest, baddest guy in the world. I know I'm not. Yep. Um, I just do what I can do myself. And, uh, but basically, yeah. I, and But I stay out of areas where I have people that buy for me working. Oh, you so don't, I don't create competition against myself. If somebody calls me from Eagle, Colorado and says, hey, I got 50 pounds or 100 pounds, when are you coming? I says, well, I, I, but here's a guy, I'll have a guy get a hold of you. He'll just come and get him and he'll treat you good. And, and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I got a question about a part of the market that p may not fall under the, the poundage price. And that's like, do you, do you have a completely little separate part of your business that's for like big giant ant? That was exactly my next question, trophy, Brody. Where, where, does the, where does the crazy shit go? Because I imagine those, like, obviously the, the poundage thing doesn't work for that market. No. There is, a, and I'm quoting air quotes for those who can't see. Uh, a trophy shed market where things are usually bought, like shed sets are bought by the set. Yeah, you can, uh, down at uh, Western Honey Expo there in Salt Lake, there's usually some booths set up and right. you'll see a set of, you know, 380s and they're asking five, six, seven grand for them. And good luck. But you don't do think they ever sell them? Maybe one. Maybe one. You can put whatever price you want sure. on them. Yeah. But you can't go, you can't put 1500 on them and try to negotiate negotiate up to 2500 So you put eight grand yeah. and come down. Yes. Yeah. You know. Uh, but no, that's, that's, that's a lot of money for a 380 set of elk sheds. Sure. I just made that up. Oh, I, okay. I don't know if that's 
I mean, True. it's been a long time since I was there. I just remember looking at a set of sheds going, geez, really? That's a lot of money for a set of sheds. Right, right, right. What was the craziest thing or the biggest thing or whatever that you've ever seen just thrown into a pile of sheds that came into the market? Biggest and craziest? Yeah, it's just whatever, like oddball. Like, I mean, if you looked at so many thousands and thousands of antlers, what kind of stuff flows through that catches you by surprise? Every once in a while, you'll get a big Boone and Crockett shed of some species uh-huh. that gets into the pile by accident. Like they, oh. didn't, they, didn't, they didn't know what they were looking at. Yeah, and, and a lot of times when I'm buying, you know, you're throwing 100 pounds around at a time. You're not paying much attention when you're unloading the trailer. You go, oh, wow. And but, that gets thrown uh, into it, another pile. Well, you throw it aside, you know, and I've got a pile of trinkets, I call them. And That's what I, that was my next question. And I've had some of these trinkets for three or four years. and Yeah, because they can't be, like, it's got to be a match set to really, like, or... Or, yeah. or a very unique single shed. Did you bring us, like, a real crazy present, like a crazy-ass <laughs> animal? <laughs> no, I, but, but, but... It's not out of the question, but I'd have to bring it from Ennis. I couldn't fit it on the airplane, but... Got it. Um, no, I do a lot. I don't have a, quote, trophy market where I sell a lot. I do a lot of trading with people. Okay. Like if I find... If I know Bert in Eagle, Colorado or wherever, looking for non-typical mule deer sheds, and if I get one, I'll trade him some poundage. I see. You know, that's, I do, I, it's about 96% how I do it. Got it. You're after the poundage. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's just, it, it's easier to market it and sell it that way. Uh, if you go down to the auction in Jackson, you can see people sitting on the square and they get their parking spots where they sell their trinkets and they've got a lot of very nice sheds that are very expensive and they don't sell them so you know to me i'm looking at it like <laughs> i can take that shed okay and turn it into something that i can move instead of that money sitting there yeah money costs money right yeah so why not keep it moving you- i took us i bought no here's the story i bought a set of chalky elk sheds and they were really nice they weren't giant but it was like an eight by nine Okay, and I, I don't know. I traded a guy an antler What'd for What'd you him. pay for him? Well, I traded. Okay. A moose paddle for him. Got it. So I had probably 80, 90 bucks in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I took it and I drove it across the state, and this was in Colorado, and I traded for 260 pounds of assorted grades of deer antler. So I ended up getting a lot of money for that Mm. set of moose paddle. I turned a moose paddle into a a fairly decent pile of deer antlers. Yeah. Home run for everybody. Yeah. You know, so, but stuff like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't $2,000 worth of deer antlers. I mean, there was a lot of chalk in there and stuff, but I mean, it it worked out good. Do you, do you notice, um, on sort of a, on, a, on a meta scale, on a large scale, when you're when you're handling thousands of these antlers, do you notice years where you're like, man, there was great antler growth, or popu- elk populations are down yeah. or up yeah. or yeah. 
you you definitely see that. What what give me some examples of how how that might play out in a specific area, let's say. Okay, well I'll start with the northern Yellowstone elk herd that comes out of the park and migrates up to Paradise Valley. Okay. There used to be 16,000 elk roughly, give or take. Now it's down to I don't even know, less than 7,000. No. Still shooting all kinds of cows. <laughs> you know, and I attribute a lot of that to the introduction of the the wolves. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know. And some areas where you have dry years, it seems like the antlers are brittle. Okay. Not a lot of mass. And mm. wet years, you seem like you get good antler growth, good mass. A lot of down south and various states, they don't get their range till July. Mm -hmm. So things don't green up till later in the year. So that next year brings the antler growth. It depends on what kind of feed they're carrying in. Got it. So you can tell in some areas that are dry that the antler growth just isn't, you know, isn't do you, good. Do you see certain, like maybe that, that, I don't know if you'd see this or not, but like certain tendencies in like the elk antlers in one part of the country versus in like they grow a certain way. Or yeah. They, oh, yeah. there's characteristics. Yeah. yeah. There's genetics. Yeah, of course. Like for instance, certain areas in Arizona, New Mexico, you get those, I don't know what people call them. They call them the devil points that come off the brow tines. Mm -hmm. They stick up like this, or some areas have three brow tines, you know, or forked brow tines. Um, and then there's other areas where they got tops that, come out different you know yeah yep. certain areas uh that yellowstone herd for years you could tell what areas they came from because they had really short g3s that was just the genetics mm -hmm. for the time Yep. you still hear people talk about that all the time yeah are there more uh deer antlers sold than elk antlers just due to the the prevalence of for example whitetail nationally um, you know, in terms of like what you're, what you're buying. What I'm buying personally? No, I buy more, more elk than deer. Okay. And then maybe in the market. But I choose to do that. Okay. So then maybe in the market generally, nationally from, for buyers. That's, that's a hard one to answer. Hmm. I, you know, because I don't know what other buyers do. Sure, sure, but of course. realistically speaking, it, it would make sense because I think there are a lot more deer in the United States than Right, there are and I mean, I think when, you know, I've I bought a, a antler chew for my dog a couple of years ago. He showed absolutely no interest, so I never bought one again, but right. it was a deer antler, not an elk antler. So I can't remember seeing elk antlers being used as dog chews, but I... You know, I think it's been more deer antlers used as dog chews that I yeah, can possibly record. depends on I guess where you go, but I sell mostly mostly elk. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of your like based on the grade of the antler, deer mm -hmm. or elk, what grade of which antler becomes what end product? Well, the, the A or the number one grade and the number two grade usually go for the dog chews. And then the number three grade, I just, I know people that sell them, but I don't like it. It's just they're, they're so dried out, they could be brittle. But it's not so, like grade A for you, 
is going to dog choose and not someone's chandelier, for example? No. Okay. I mean, you, you always pull out. I've got piles of nice sheds, you know, that I keep out. Chandelier quality. Yeah, chandelier mm -hmm. quality mm -hmm. in case somebody's looking for some. Mm -hmm. I got a big pile of deer where when we get back, and we're going to start building our Christmas tree. Make Christmas tree out of antlers. So you've been saving for that. Yeah, I just, yeah. So, um, and then, you know, and if, and if nobody wants to buy this furniture quality, we'll say, uh, then, then yeah, we, you know, you can always sell them as dog chews later. But that does really sound like the dog chew market is dominant, at least based on, on how you're oh, choosing it, it, to sell. I think it's a controlling force right okay. now, without mm -hmm. a doubt, mm -hmm. without a doubt. Mm -hmm. hmm. How would you rate the, um... In your experience, like how how would you rate the seediness level of the antler market? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I would. It be, brings it, out you know it brings out the worst in a lot of people. Because like in the seventies, the late seventies, early eighties, like the fur trade, when when it was crazy hot, it just it had you know it developed like a seediness. Yeah, and we've talked to game wardens where like it does. A lot of people who are poaching are tied to some other type of. Criminal activity, drug dealing, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get, and whenever I'm in towns, um, police stop me all the time. Say, hmm. hey, did you buy any antlers off of so-and-so? And I said, I, and I look through my receipts. I keep accurate receipts on okay. who I deal with. Hmm. Uh, and I say, no. And they said, well, keep your eyes out. This is a vehicle. Here's a license plate number. Here's my card. Please call me. Sure, no oh, problem. Because they're stealing antlers, and usually they're doing that to fund other yeah. devices. Yeah. We'll say possibly. It seems to, it seems that's where it gravitates to yeah. is towards the illicit stuff. Mm. Dude, that tree is incredible. Yeah, it's pretty. Did cool. you guys make that tree? Yeah. How many antlers total? That? That oh wild. no, uh, no clue. You can't move it. No Holy clue. It's got to be several hundred, right? Oh, it's oh, probably wow. it's probably 150 minimum okay. of deer and elk mix. Oh, but wow. yeah, it, it took us about three evenings farting around. You know, when the one of the times when the antler market blew up, I guess it was kind of like I don't know, I don't know what year it was, and it probably because you've been in it so long, something the beginning of things don't seem like the beginning to you because you were in it like from the infancy of various things. Okay. But I don't know, when I became aware of like, just like the antler market, the antler market, uh, I had a friend, well, my brother in Alaska, Danny, he would take all the shed antlers and all the shit he killed and he'd make like a cylinder that climbed this big spruce tree and yeah. just wrap a tree in it. One day he comes home, which is gone. Right. A buddy of mine had a, it was, I was actually in on this, this bull we killed, uh, another friend of mine up in Alaska, we killed a nice bull one time and I was there with him when he got it and we were talking about that and he's like gone hung in my garage for years and they come home and just gone yeah and that was right around the same time my brother's tree got picked clean yeah somebody went through and made a few stops you know but a as a buyer um obviously like well i don't know man like you know if you for instance in some stuff in some stuff in wildlife a buyer is under like quite a bit of they're under quite a bit of pressure to vet what's coming. Like you go to a taxidermist, right? Mm -hmm. They, you can't just walk in with crazy shit into a taxidermist. He's like, I need your tag. I need your right, license, right, right, whatever. Right. If you go to a tannery, right? It's like, 
whatever state you're coming from, what are the regulations of that state? Is it supposed to be sealed? Do you have records and all that? But when you're talking about antlers, um, that you don't, there's, there's no regulatory structure in place on tagging the shit. Right. So how, you know, to what degree are you held responsible for where something came from when you have no real way of vetting it? You're really not. You're not. Uh, you, you've got your gut. Like, you know, you can deal with some people and you go, eh, this isn't right. I'm writing the license plate down. Got it. So you've had, you'll have a guy approach and you're like, you didn't find those antlers. Like you got them somehow besides that. Well, sometimes, yeah. No, you, you, you can't go out and say that, but you, you get a gut feeling, mm-hmm. especially when somebody shows up with a pile of chalky stuff that's nice and clean and it's got some grass and flower leaves stuck to it. Like they just <laughs> took it out of somebody's flower garden. Yeah. Usually if they show up with a couple of browns and maybe a number two grade and then some chalky ones, you, yeah, they're probably okay. But when they show up with a pile of chalk, like they stole it from somebody's yard. Eh. Might you then turn them away? No. I mean, because you, if you're not knowingly doing anything, but you, that's when you take extra notations. Oh, yeah, because it could have been his flower bed, Sooner I guess. or later, the police are going to probably stop and ask you questions. Here you go. I, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a hush-hush guy. I mean, you know, if a game warden or somebody came up, hey, here's my... It happened uh, down in the auction. Uh three, four years ago, bought some antlers off a guy. He goes, you going to be here for a while? I said, sure. And he brought some antlers in, bought them, threw them in the trailer. And <laughs> I left the auction and went to the motel room. And I'm sitting in bed talking to Jamie on the phone. And I, my phone rings and I look, call waiting. And it's a 307. It was a Jackson hole number. And I says, oh, I got to go. Somebody's wanting sell me antlers probably and they said oh this is so-and-so from the wyoming game and fish um can we talk to you sure he goes did you buy some antlers off of so-and-so I go, matter of fact we did he goes where are you at right now and i said i'm at my motel and he goes uh can we come by and i said sure he goes i'll be there in one minute so they knew where i was at mm-hmm. because the antler had a gps tracker in it oh so but we didn't know and then so opened up the trailer and he, nee, 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 nee. he pulled the antler out and here it is. And he goes, he goes, he sold you some more. And I go, yeah. He goes, where are the rest of his antlers? And I go, here's 8,000 pounds in the trailer, you know, pick them. I, I, I don't know, you know, cause they were all mixed, you know, yeah, yeah. and I go, I, I don't know. But anyways, he picked it up off the game range before it opened down there, one of the feedlots. And he took it to his house, and they knew he had it. And as soon as he moved it, it started s- signaling. And th- we bought the antlers and left, and the the fishing game were there two minutes after we left. So they they plugged that one antler just to just to do a sting, yeah. not a sting, but to catch people. Yeah. yeah, and then they'll go in on May first or right before May first, and they'll take it out. But I go here, here's my receipt. Here's my receipts. This is the check number I paid him. Uh, and they copied that. And they said, hey, thanks for your cooperation. And uh, the guy that was with me that ended up having the antler says, hey, wait a minute. You're taking this. I'm losing money. And they says, well, we'll give you 
uh, a slip you can write it off as a loss or they the, if the guy gets busted it's restitution restitution yeah. and ended up getting the restitution back years ago I, I was working on an article about livestock theft and I was hanging out with some guys from the rural rural crime task force in Bakersfield California mm -hmm. and it was when scrap prices were high they were running around putting transmitters inside irrigation pipe and shit like that. Oh and he goes, you could put a stack of irrigation pipe out by the road, put a transmitter on it, and just wait till the next morning. <laughs> Gone. Yeah, he said it wasn't hard. Yeah. Oh my God. You know how many, uh, during that, uh, that issue, how many times electricians had to rewire houses because yeah. they went and stripped all the copper yeah, out? Yeah. It's so horrible. You, you mentioned um, you mentioned two things. You mentioned calling it slowing down on the business, but you mentioned that there's a third generation coming up. Yeah. So which is it? You well, slowing down or is it third no, generation? No, 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 no. Just downsized a little bit. I mean, you, you can only handle so much. Uh huh. So, no, I just thinned out some accounts, downsized a little bit to a more manageable level. I've kept growing and growing and growing. Is your business the kind of business that you could sell the business or does it die with you? What's it worth? I don't, I don't know it's enough about the business. Sky. I mean, you know, the people I deal with, there's no contractual agreements. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's no monetary value on it. Yep. Uh, and most of my contacts that I buy antlers from, other people know. I mean, yep. with the advent of the social media, everybody knows everybody. So they're, you know, so... If, and I'm not a big social media guy. But. If you were to predict, you know, you talked about your son uh, potentially being third gen generation. Mm -hmm. Where would you predict the market? Uh, mm -hmm. Where would you say it could be going in five years, 10 years? Is there going to be a new thing? Are people going to get tired of giving their dogs antler chews? No, I don't I think predict regulation. That's what I was going to ask. No, no I yeah. was going to say what's going to happen is I think it's going to be regulated. It's going to be like more, hunting more licenses. Strictly. Mm. Um, I think you'll always be able to sell antler dog chews. Where it's going to go in five years, I have no idea. I wish I, wish, I, wish I knew then what I know now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And maybe, maybe possibly there won't be a big commercial market in five or 10 years. Right. I thought the dog chew market would have already played out. It'll it's, play out. It, it will. Well, I'm the guy that thought microbrews. I'm the guy that predicted in 1996 <laughs> that microbrews were over. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, how many of these things me, could there be? Remind, I don't know if that pet market's yeah, going anywhere. I think that me, Remind me not to uh, take any stock tips from you. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. I'd shit like that, though. <laughs> Anything no, outside I, of my I expertise. I don't because no. there, I mean, and it's not just the antler dog chews, just the, the single ingredient organic other things that are that mm -hmm. the dogs are chewing on and, and, and eating. Uh, um, it's like Jamie cooks for our dogs now. We don't give them any dry food. Hmm. Sam shot that buck and that doe, the, the lungs, the kidneys, the heart, everything. We're not heart eaters. So um, the kidneys, lungs, Got it. all the internal organs and the dogs just Eat it. That's a good idea. I do a lot of that for my dog, but I haven't done the lungs. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. 
Tongue. God, they love that stuff. I just boil yeah. it, man. I mince it up and boil it. She goes nuts. Mm. I do tongue. I I I do I do ninety per ninety percent raw. Mm-hmm. Don't even boil it. No. No. Yeah. You gotta I flash fry it and throw it in there. Slowly transition them over so you don't have intestinal yeah. distress. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys uh has CWD affected your business at all? No. Like moving stuff around? Uh, well, in certain areas of Colorado, or certain areas, you gotta, you can't transport a head out of the county. It has to be boiled in county for you to transport So out. you got to saw the antlers on a dead head before yeah. you transport. Well, I do that most of the time anyways. They take up so much space. Yeah, yeah. But no, the, the CWD, other than that no right but it's 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 not there's there hasn't been any case that i'm aware of that dogs have actually no i i was just referring to like in general has that disease affected how your the, business the, yeah like no, how the no, regulation no, no, no. around tra because, interstate yeah. transport of antlers probably yeah. it's a very small percentage of deadheads that you end up dealing with yeah yeah I got very it. small um, oh, I lost. I had another question I was going to ask you. Or the ones I do buy are already sawed off, so you just yep. get you just end up with the antlers. So well, it's not a big deal. Well, I know what I was going to ask. Cut, cut out my nightmare. What I was going to ask. Okay. If you're a seller, okay. Is there anything to gain? Role like, play. Role play again? No, no, we don't <laughs> need to role play. It. Okay. Is there ever a pitch about why a seller should go to you? Like, do you feel like plugging? Do you feel like saying, hey, man, if you got elk antler, call me? Honesty. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. honest. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty straightforward. Good track record. I when, I when I, like, I just started buying antlers off a guy in the Midwest, buys deer, and I go, look, here's my, here's my deal, okay? I said, I'm going to be brutally honest with you one way or the other. Either, either way. Like it could work good or bad. Work for your favor yeah. or against your favor. And yeah. I said, I expect the same treatment in return. Mm -hmm. And I said, don't hide anything. Don't pull any punches. I mean, if you got a problem, call me, you know, and if I have a problem with you, I'm going to tell you. And, you know, that's how we get along. So uh, uh, transparency, uh, honesty, um, you know, and... Yeah, the new people that try you out, and if you treat them right, they'll come back. So, how do people find you if they want to sell you a pile of antlers? You got to care. I do care. Uh, they just word of mouth. My number's out there. People know. Tony Schaffler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just you know I'm yeah, um, like uh, one guy I know that I buy from. So you don't know, you don't want to just say your number right now. Billy, you got antlers to sell? Call me. 406-570-3371. I repeat, 406-570-3371. I need to check if you're lying. And, you, know I have what, your you, know what, you know what three of the biggest lies are in the world? Was that a lie? I love you. Checks in the mail. And I'm an honest antler buyer. Three biggest <laughs> what, what was the number he just gave? Four zero six five seven zero 
3371. Oh, yeah, that is my, yeah, it's on that's, your, that's really his number. Yeah, no, I got your number. <laughs> please, so, please, no hate mail. Yeah, no, no I, I, I think you're a sales mailer, man. Yeah, yeah. If your kid, uh, your kid takes over, he can, uh, you can adopt some of the new ways like social media and stuff like oh, that. Definitely. He's there. The, the, our 14 year old twins. Now I go to them. My phone's not working and they fix it in yeah. 10 seconds. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me. It's, I guess it's an honor. Like I said, I was telling Corinne, you guys are celebrities in some circles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. I, you know, I watched your show God, since you started, and I kind of like the way you do it. You know? Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, it's not just going out there and shooting a big animal and... Yeah, get a couple big ones. No, you do, but <laughs> you know what it is. It's not <laughs> no, like you I'm go joking. to a private place and they know where this deer is and you set up and you shoot it. No, you're out there doing the whole philosophical thing. And Thank you. Appreciate it. You can get some ideas on cooking. I like to do that, for sure. One thing I'll never try is that boiled tongue that you and Cal ate one time deer hunting in Dude, uh, Idaho. Dude, tongue is so good. You don't know what you're mm -hmm. talking about, man. Mm -hmm. I just did mean, oh, listen, let me tell you, I want to give you a hot tip. <laughs> Next time you get out, when someone comes with some antlers, say, how about you sell me that tongue? You get the tongue. <laughs> it's listen so what good. I, listen to what I'm saying. Okay. Put that tongue in a pot of water. Barely simmer it. The elk tongue, deer tongue, whatever. The elk tongue's nicer. Okay. Barely simmer it until you notice that around where you cut it off, that you notice the, the outer skin is starting to peel away. Okay. All right. Now, put it in cold water, plunge it in cold water so you don't burn your fingers and see can I peel all the outer skin off? If you can't, let it boil longer. Eventually, you'll get all the outer skin peeled off the tongue. Okay. It's white when you peel it off. Mm -hmm. Now, put a dry rub all over that son of a bitch. Put in a smoker. Really? And then you slice it up and eat that and tell me there's a problem <coughs> with that. Okay. Everybody that eats it says the same thing. Holy shit, that's good. Hmm. Some variation on that. You know, uh, you know, I'm telling you, dude. After a it's couple good. Tacos too. Oh, so fatty and good. Lingua. Mm-hmm. I guess after a couple of beers, I'd probably try just about. If anything. I gave it to you right now, if I gave it to you right now, you 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 didn't know what it was. You wouldn't know what it was, but you'd think it was pretty damn good. Our great Dane loves tongue. That's yeah, your great the first Dane smart. I, <laughs> that's how it was the first time I ate mountain lion. I didn't know what I was eating, and you liked it. Yeah, sure. It looked like kind of. It was pork chop. Looked like mm -hmm. a pork chop with there's gravy and rice, and I ate a bunch of it before I figured out what it was and. Yeah, I don't mind us up. No. What I like about that, the fat's pretty good on it. You don't see many fat, word but I had, I've had the, I've had a mountain lion backstrap that was capped in fat, and the fat was good. Really? Like pork fat. Yeah, legitimately good. Surprise. You got to cook it, though. I expected it to not be good. Oh, yeah, you can get the old trichinosis <laughs> off that shit. You, you know, know that, uh, You know a little bit of something about that, don't you? You know the saying, you can't eat the antlers? Tony's whole, shit, Tony's whole business is based you know, on I was gonna dogs and people eating yeah. I was going to tell you the story, and you got me sidetracked, but I know oh, a sorry. professional athlete that tore his rotator cuff. He's playing professional baseball. Do we have time? In oh, yeah, lay it on us. Well, anyways, he tore his rotator cuff, and he got surgery, and the doctor goes, here, take these pills, and I'll help you. And he goes, what are they? He goes, they're antler powder pills. So he started taking them, and the pain went away. 
Mm-hmm. And he goes, nah. So he quit taking them and the pain came back. So he started taking them and the pain went away and he actually started a company and was making those pills so athletes take them. I took it and yeah, a lot of aches and pains went away. So there's there's something to it, just like the, the Asian culture. How old is that? It's way older than ours. And I bet you they know a lot more than we do about stuff. Yeah. Corinne so, does. Yeah. She's only half Asian. Just ask her. She'll tell you. No, she knows a lot. She knows twice as much. She'll tell you. I definitely haven't tried any of that. Then maybe I'll, you, you know, I make do it myself to people. A human and they go, "Is this pig? good for your dogs?" And I'll lick a uh, an elk antler split in half. I'll lick it. And it doesn't do anything. Oh no, I imagine not. Yeah. Oh, you know what about making like uh, antler toothpicks that you that you'd start chewing on? Maybe that's the new fad. There you go. Possibly. <laughs> Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, man, appreciate uh, it. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you'll see you again sometime. Oh, I think so. Hopefully people call you up and sell you some sweet antlers. Possibly. Here's the one deal, man. Or the hate If man. someone calls you and sells you some antlers and they say like, oh, hey, I heard your number on the show. You pick me out the coolest <laughs> one there. Not out of every batch, but like whatever. Send me a cool one out of there. Okay, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll yeah. do a trade with you. Right. I'll, sell, I'll give you a couple of good, cool sheds, but I need some autographed swag from you, from That's my a deal. friends. That's a deal. Like I said, they think you're some sort of a celebrity. No, we're not going to spoil that for them. <laughs> we're going to sign some stuff. We're going to sign some stuff. Yeah. And we're going to watch the mailbox for a sweet antler. No, I won't mailbox. I'll bring it and let you pick them out. Oh, there you go. I'll stop by one of these times. getting better and better. All right. Tell, tell everybody your name and the name of your company. Tony Schaffler, Rocky Mountain Antler Company. There you have it. Call him up. Some big pile. He's waiting for you in his underwear in a hotel room in New Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Three days only. Save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in the sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com.